This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. lost in the wild card round of the 2021 playoff season while the Cincinnati Bengals went to the Super Bowl where they lost to the LA Rams are there any takeaways any lessons the Steelers can learn from the teams that were better than them in the playoffs this year I'm Jeffrey Benedict welcome to the cutting room floor. Looking at some statistics, there's a couple that I I always look at. Uh, I like looking at yards per carry in the rushing game, you know, percentage of plays that are run plays, stuff like that to see, you know, how does that stack up? Uh, How does that, what does that tell us about teams? How important is run defense anymore? How, you know, important is, All these different factors. Well, in today's NFL, and especially in this year's playoffs, deep passing was king. Now, I don't mean like way downfield deep shots. Those are important. But I like uh, pro football reference measures a deep pass at a pass that travels 15 yards past the line of scrimmage in the air. So the player has to catch it 15 yards or more past the line of scrimmage for it to be considered a deep pass. Now, those aren't always typically what you think of deep passes, but those are field-stretching plays. If you're defending a pass that is 15 yards downfield, you're not defending passes that are underneath. You're not defending the shallow passing game. You're not going to be a great help against a screen, and you're not going to be, you know, you're not up front defending the run. Deep passes stretch the field, open up the offense. So looking at numbers from this year and teams that made the playoffs, 12 of the now 14, because we now take seven teams in each conference, of the 14 playoff teams, 12 of them rank highly in specific categories on either deep passes on offense or on defense. These four categories that stand out as as meaningful, right? On defense is total attempts. Sometimes matters, but it's not. It, it doesn't show the correlation. Uh, if you're a team who's winning, you're probably facing more deep throws than a team that is losing. So. Preventing deep throws isn't really a football skill as much as, you know, that can be 
there's a lot of noise in that, in what we call noise and statistics, which is uh, things that that disrupt what would normally be going on. For example, uh, rushing attempts per game. Teams that win more rush more. Well, a lot of that has to do with running when you're ahead. So you have to cut that out. You have to do more work to look at the score at the time that they're of the play and the quarter and all this stuff. Uh, just total deep passing attempts allowed. The other team throwing the ball deep doesn't stand out. What does stand out is first down percentage and turnover percentage. When a team does throw deep, how often do you give up a first down and how often do you force a turnover? Now, first down percentage, I think, matters even more than yards per attempt because let's say you're the Pittsburgh Steelers defense and you get a lot of sacks and the other teams and you get you draw a decent number of holding penalties, even though we know how much T.J. Watt gets held and, it, and doesn't get called. There's more holding penalties called for the Steelers than most teams because teams have to. Uh, you get those sacks. You get those holding penalties. You get a third down and 22, right? And the other team throws a deep ball that goes 18 yards and they're tackled and it's fourth and four. Your defense won the play. It's fourth and four. They're going to punt. You got it off the field. You didn't allow a first down. That's a win, but that that's not a win if you're looking at, you know, uh, catch rate, you know, on, on deep passes. So I like looking at first downs because generally if, you, if you're first and 10, if you're decent yardage and you're completing a downfield pass, you're getting a first down. Five of the top seven defenses – and first down percentage on deep passes made the playoffs this year. The second part on defense that I look at is turnover percentage. How much, how often do you force a turnover? When teams are throwing deep, how often do you make them pay or do they get away with it? Are you not really a threat to intercept passes? Six of the top eight defensive teams for turnover percentage were in the playoffs. When we go to the offensive side of the football, it's different numbers that matter. Total deep pass attempts. How often are you throwing deep? A team that doesn't throw deep until it's late in the fourth quarter aren't going to rack up numbers over the season, right? Because you're just you're not doing that as much. 12 of the 14 playoff teams. No, I'm sorry. I read the wrong line here. Seven of the top nine teams for total deep pass attempts, are in the playoffs. That means half of the playoff teams, half of the playoff teams were in the top 10 for total deep pass attempts. Yards per attempt, if you look at the top 14 teams per for yards per deep pass attempt, 10 of them, 10 of them made the playoffs. The four teams that didn't, the Chargers, who barely missed the playoffs. Minnesota, who wasn't far off from the playoffs. Indianapolis had a chance to beat the Steelers out and make the playoffs. And Seattle, who was terrible, but they have a great quarterback who can throw deep. The worst deep passing team to make the playoffs in 2021 was the Pittsburgh Steelers. 8.5 yards 
per pass attempt. It's the second worst in the league. Only the Carolina Panthers were worse. In first down percentage, they were third worst in the NFL at 35.2%. The Steelers made the playoffs in spite of their deep passing offense. If we go to deep passing defense, the Steelers were top 10 in first down percentage allowed, but this year their turnover rate fell. In previous years, it's been a lot better. Uh, Their turnover rate fell to the bottom half of the league. One of the reasons the Steelers got blown out in the playoffs is because they couldn't stretch the field. One of the reasons the Steelers had trouble with any decent defense was they couldn't stretch the field. Now to, to talk more about this, the two teams real quick that don't rank in the top offensively or defensively at all and made the playoffs were the San Francisco 49ers and the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans, you know, you've got, you, you've got Henry. Um, that that makes up for a lot for during the season. Other than that, man, just looking at the stats, I, I don't know how Tennessee won all those games. It's almost like looking at the Steelers in 2020 when you looked at the numbers and you looked at the the, the stat differentials and stuff. You're like, how is, how is this team winning all these games? You know? <laughs> and the Tennessee Titans were that team this year. And then they went to the playoffs and it didn't go well for them. San Francisco made it in spite of their deep-throwing numbers, largely because their leading receiver, Debo Samuel, averaged 10 yards per reception after the catch. He scored, he, he recorded 1,400 pass, receiving yards, and more than half of those yards were after the catch. His yards before the catch, roughly the same as Deontay Johnson. You think about that, but after the catch, significantly more. And Deontay Johnson is a good yards after catch receiver. Debo Samuel just takes it that much farther. That's my explanation. You want to know, you know, how they got there? That's a big part of it. Is San Francisco manufactures big plays in the passing game off short passes better than pretty much anyone else? Uh, that's one of the one of the problems I have with people wanting to bring Jimmy Garoppolo here is that you'd be bringing a quarterback in from a system where they the system and the players around him manufacture big plays off short passes, uh, and that's why the team is able to overcome the fact that he's not a very good deep ball passer. I would compare him a lot to Jared Goff. Goff is an important character in this discussion because he's in L.A. He goes to the Super Bowl in 2018. This season, he's traded to Detroit for Matt Stafford. A very good deep ball passer. Big-time deep ball thrower. And the team wins the Super Bowl. In 2020... Goff was one of the worst deep ball throwers in the NFL. Very few attempts, low yards per attempt on deep or deeper throws. 
If you go to through the 2017 to 2020, the era of Jared Goff starting for the Rams, they were in the middle of the pack for deep throws. They were the 12th lowest in yards per attempt, and they threw the fewest deep touchdowns in the NFL. During this span of time, Jared Goff went to two Pro Bowls, and he made the Super Bowl. 2018, they went to the Super Bowl. 2018 was also the year where Jared Goff threw the most deep passes. Since then, the number has dropped. The team hasn't been as good. Hasn't made it that far. They trade for Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford's LA Rams this year threw the ball deep a ton. They were fourth in deep ball throws. Uh, The two teams directly ahead of them had exactly one more. Dallas and the Raiders both threw 124 deep passes. The Rams threw 123. So they missed being second, being tied for second by one deep pass. Their yards per attempt was fourth in the NFL, from being one of the worst to fourth best. First down percentage, top 10. And they they threw a lot of touchdowns. They had eight touchdowns, which is, again, top 10. But they pushed the ball downfield. And they had much better success with Matthew Stafford, especially in the playoffs. If you take a playoff team, give them a week to focus on how to stop your offense, and they can say, okay, we don't have to respect the deep ball. We can go uh, cover one and just drop one safety deep and really pressure underneath and, and focus on stopping the run game. You're going to lose to playoff teams. The better playoff teams are going to beat you. You have to have threats that make the defense adjust to you. You can't let them dictate the game. Just like the Steelers' defense. If you let the Steelers' defense dictate the game, they'd crush you. But with the threat we saw with Kansas City, when they had that versatile threat, they could get out. They started moving people around, getting different matchups. They were able to open the door and and score points on the Steelers, and the Steelers could not because their threats were limited, especially vertical threats. I wanted to cover this. I wanted to talk about the value of the deep ball and how it relates to this year's playoffs. Uh, I wanted to talk about that in the first half of the show. Second half of the show, we're going to dive into the Steelers' offense. Last thing I wanted to say is Cincinnati's defense was not good against deep balls. It wasn't one of the better defenses against deep balls. They made up for that by having the... Highest yards per deep pass attempt in the NFL this season. They were top 10 in first down percentage, number one in yards per deep pass, and number one in deep touchdowns on offense. And when it came to the playoffs, that's where they lived and died. Is you could stop them here. You could stop them on the next drive. You could stop them a couple drives in a row, get a big sack, do things. And then all of a sudden, bam. Big play downfield, Cincinnati's back in it. That's how they won in the playoffs, is just being better at throwing deep than other teams. That's how they got to the Super Bowl. 
That's going to be it for the first half of the show. When we come back in the second half, we're going to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers, why the Pittsburgh Steelers' deep passing game has fallen apart, and what are the key things they should do to get the offense back on track throwing deep passes. Be back right after this break. Welcome back, Steeler fans. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. You're listening to The Cutting Room Floor. The Cutting Room Floor is brought to you, as always, by the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts and BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. There's going to be a lot of news coming up, a lot of speculation, a lot of analysis, a lot of opinions, draft picks, free agent options, all kinds of things coming up for this Steelers offseason. You can get a lot of takes on the internet. You can get a lot of takes from different news agencies. What stands out for me about the Behind the Steel Curtain podcasts and our website is the community. I've been a member of the site for 13 years now. Came on 2009 as a reader. Eventually came over to this started writing articles, and now I, I do podcasts as well. What The reason I've always stayed with Behind the Steel Curtain is the community, the other people, the comment sections, the live chat in our YouTube shows. It's a great place. It's a great place to be a fan of the Steelers. And that's, to me, what makes Behind the Steel Curtain stand out. And that's why I'm here. That's why I'm a part of this platform is because I loved the community. I stuck around and eventually I got a chance to contribute myself. So this off season, as you're getting your Steelers news, check out behind the steel If you don't normally go there, listen to all our podcasts, be part of us, be one of us, part of the family. In the first half of our show, we talked about the importance of deep ball passing in the current NFL and how it relates to playoffs and playoff success. We talked about Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford. I want to focus on the Pittsburgh Steelers in this second half. And we're going to start with what went wrong. And there's some different layers of what went wrong. The first layer I'm going to go with is Ben Roethlisberger. And I want to be careful on this subject because it's easy for people to say, oh, Ben Roethlisberger's terrible. He's the worst quarterback in the NFL because of this and that and whatsoever. You hear that a lot. And it's stupid. What I want to talk about is the difference between Ben Roethlisberger in his prime and Ben Roethlisberger after his arm surgery. From 2014 to 2018, Ben Roethlisberger threw the most deep passes in the NFL. If you remember our first half, we talked about that being one of the keys 
to making the playoffs is just volume of throws. How much do you push the ball downfield? Ben Roethlisberger was number one in attempts. In passing yards, he was second to Drew Brees. Second in touchdowns to Russell Wilson. Sixth in passer rating. In attempts, yards, and touchdowns, no quarterback ranks higher in those three combined. I mean, if you add first place, second place, and second place, it's a total of five. Nobody touches that. He threw deep better than just about anyone. He was more, he provided more of a deep threat than any quarterback out there. And he made the Steelers' offense work because of that. But when you go and you look from 2019 to 2021, those numbers fall right off a cliff. I should note here that 2018-2017, those numbers were still high. 2018, they dropped a little bit, but they were still way up at the top of the league. Even as he lost, you know, some of his deep threats. He was still throwing deep at a high rate. 2020-2021, not at all the case. Before, he was ranked with Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees in passer rating and downfield numbers. 2020 and 2021, he's there with Jared Goff, Andy Dalton, Carson Wentz on deep ball numbers. Ben Roethlisberger's passing rating, on downfield throws dropped from the mid-90s, phenomenal deep ball passing passer rating, to the low 70s. The low 70s. Which is where Jared Goff, old Andy Dalton, and Carson Wentz hang out. The offensive production for the Steelers dropped with it. I'm going to throw some stats out here from an article... Uh, I put on the website, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, called Could the Pittsburgh Steelers Receivers Be Better with Mason Rudolph at quarterback? As it came out uh, on Valentine's Day, 9 a.m., if you're having a, you want to you wreck your mood, <laughs> go, go read that. Um, for those of you who don't like Mason Rudolph, my point is not to say Mason Rudolph is a great quarterback. If you if it, the article is not an argument for it, the argument the article is more about how much Ben Roethlisberger's deep passing game dropped off these last two years. When we go back and we look at this receiver group, there are three main receivers: Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool, and Deontay Johnson. Juju Smith-Schuster is the only one who played with Ben Roethlisberger before his injuries. If you look at 2017 and 2018, Juju Smith-Schuster is actually one of the most productive wide receivers on deep ball throws in the NFL. Caught 53% of his downfield targets, 12.7 yards per attempt, and a touchdown every seven and a half targets. I'm sorry, I read that wrong. I mean, those are the 2017, 2018. I'm sorry. Caught 54% of his passes for 18 yards per attempt and seven touchdowns, 7.1 touch targets per touchdown. He ranked 10th in the NFL in deep passing yards, eighth in touchdowns, third in catch percentage. 
over his first two seasons. The last two seasons, where he's played again with Ben Roethlisberger, his catch rate is at 53% still. Yards per target dropped to 12.7, and now he's at 7.5 targets per touchdown. The only real difference in Juju Smith-Schuster's production is the number of targets he received and his yards per catch. He was still catching deep passes. At the same rate, he's still scoring touchdowns on balls thrown 15 yards downfield or longer. They were just fewer. And the long gains got shorter. Now let's look at what he did with Mason Rudolph. With Mason Rudolph, small sample size. There's only 11 targets, but he caught six of them for 54.5%. 16 yards per target. And only one touchdown. So when you switch to Mason Rudolph, Juju Smith-Schuster in that small sample size, and I, I need to throw that out here, constant in this article is going to be small sample size warnings. There's just not that many... Th- much time that they've played with Mason Rudolph to gather these stats. With Mason Rudolph, he's still catching about the same percentage of of balls. His yards per target was lower than when Ben was healthy, but much higher than when Ben's after Ben's arm surgery. And he wasn't completing as many touchdowns. Look, Ben still has his awareness. Ben still has his experience. He has leadership qualities he's going to find ways to get the ball downfield. Ben is still, you know, had that kind of winner mentality. He still had that going. Mason doesn't quite have that. But the numbers were better with Mason Rudolph than with post-surgery Ben Roethlisberger. Nowhere near as good as pre-injury Ben Roethlisberger. Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool only played one game with Mason Rudolph. In that game, Mason Rudolph threw him five passes beyond 15 yards or longer. He caught two of them for 69 yards and a touchdown. 13.8 yards per attempt and a 127.1 passer rating for Mason Rudolph. With Ben Roethlisberger, he's caught 33%. Mason Rudolph's 40%. That's not in the Juju Smith-Schuster territory. With Roethlisberger, it's been 33%. For only 21 yards per game from deep passes. Four touchdowns, one interception, 11.1 yards per pass attempt, and a 92.2 passer rating. Rudolph throw through to chase Claypool deep significantly more than Ben Roethlisberger. And it was more effective in a very short sample size. I will also harken back to we saw games with Ben Roethlisberger, where the offensive line came together a little better, his arm seemed to be be doing a little better, and him and Chase Claypool would go off. And then for a number of games, they wouldn't. With Mason Rudolph, Chase Claypool has a 101 game. In that game, he had over 100 yards receiving. One of three in his career. In 2021, he did not have one. Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson stands out. Deontay Johnson from Ben Roethlisberger has caught 29.1%. 29.1% of passes 15 yards downfield or farther. 15.5 yards per game come from deep passes. 
He's got six touchdowns to three interceptions, 8.7 yards per deep attempt. That's awful. For a 60.4 passer rating. Terrible. One of my consistent knocks on Deontay Johnson has been his lack of production on deep targets. You can't just thrive in the NFL off short passes. You can't rely on that. Even with Ben Roethlisberger, you can't just rely on volume short targets for your offense. That doesn't work in the NFL. It doesn't win. And other quarterbacks aren't going to be Ben Roethlisberger. They're not going to be able to just anticipate and hit Deontay Johnson like Ben Roethlisberger has done on those short passes. He's going to have to be a deep threat. So when I looked at his stats with Mason Rudolph, I was a bit surprised. There's only 14 passes, again, show a small sample size. But to Deontay Johnson, Johnson caught seven of them for 265 yards. That's 24.1 yards per game. Three touchdowns, zero interceptions, 18.9 yards per attempt, and a 135.4 passer rating. Rudolph throwing downfield to Deontay Johnson was really good. That was a really good connection. Deontay Johnson and Ben Roethlisberger downfield? The opposite. Not what I expected to find there. It was been my opinion Deontay Johnson wasn't a good deep receiver. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he just didn't get to play with the Ben Roethlisberger that could have used him. Maybe he would have been. An incredibly effective downfield target with 2017-2018 Ben Roethlisberger. And he just never got that chance. It could be. And I'm sure many of you are thinking, "This this is an incredibly small sample size. It is. But in order for that sample size to balance out and equal what Ben Roethlisberger did with Deontay Johnson... This would have to be Mason's following stat line on the next 41 pass attempts he throws to Deontay Johnson. You have to complete only 9 of them. 9 of 41, 22% completions for 225 yards, 3 touchdowns, 3 interceptions. I would give him a 5.5 yards per attempt on downfield throws, which is not NFL level. Devlin Hodges is better than that. And a 43.85 passer rating. That's awful. That's ridiculously bad. If Mason Rudolph did that, he wouldn't be an NFL quarterback. He wouldn't be a backup. The odds of him going out and throwing like that to Deontay Johnson is incredibly, incredibly rare. For some reason, Deontay Johnson and Ben Roethlisberger have not worked out downfield. We'll see if that changes with a new quarterback. I went through all these stats because what I want to say is there's some hope here based on the sad reality that Ben Roethlisberger in his last seasons was not the Ben Roethlisberger we knew. Not anymore. There's more to this, though. There's more to the deep ball than just the quarterback. Part of it is the offensive line. If you want to set up a deep passing game, you know, the best ways to do it is to have a strong running game. Make the defense cheat up. It's no wonder that Ben's best deep passing years came when they had Le'Veon Bell. And Le'Veon Bell had great numbers in part 
because they had that great deep passing game. A deep, deep passing threat backs the defense off and enables the run game to get going. The run game getting going makes it easier to get the deep passing game going. They feed off each other in a positive feedback loop. The offensive line creating holes for the running game and Najee Harris is going to create opportunity for more deep passing success. Also, blocking. The more time the quarterback has to sit there. If you look at stats on quarterback throws that happen at two and a half seconds and throws that happen at two seconds or quicker, the difference is remarkable especially in downfield passes. You simply cannot have a deep passing offense when you are throwing the ball at two seconds into the play. You can't do it. 2.5 to 2.8 seconds is good, is is where you want a veteran quarterback without a lot of pocket movement to be. When Ben Roethlisberger was younger, he could scramble around. There's quarterbacks now. They can scramble around. Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, they will run around, create opportunities downfield by stalling the defense, giving the receivers more time to get open. The offensive line is critical to taking this receiver core and having a downfield passing game. The two factors that matter the most are going to be the offensive line being better and the quarterback having a good deep throwing arm. Something Ben Roethlisberger was one of the best at until his surgery Dropped him to one of the worst. That is it for our show this week. Next week, we're going to focus on the defensive side of that equation. So make sure you stay tuned. Come back and visit with us again next week on the cutting room floor. Until then, have a great week. Go Steelers. (laughs) 